You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church in Tontytown, Arkansas. Our mission is to love God, love others, and serve both. And now let's listen in to this week's sermon. Luke chapter 17, we see Jesus returning to teaching his disciples, his chosen disciples who were going to be left to carry on his work when he left this earth. In chapter 16, we looked at parables. Here, Jesus is turning his attention back to his disciples. Jesus will be teaching four basic essentials for growing faith. And as we go through this, you can find these. Here they are, the four basic essentials for growing faith. And if you're taking notes or you want to follow along in you verse, it is there as well. Forgiveness, faithfulness, thankfulness, preparedness. These are the four essentials of growing faith. Forgiveness, faithfulness, thankfulness, preparedness. So let's begin verse 1. One day Jesus said to his disciples, There will always be temptations to sin, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? Now there are several terms used in various versions of the Bible describing what he's talking about. He used temptations in the version I'm looking at. You may have a version that says stumbling block. You may have a version that says offenses. But it's important to understand what Jesus meant when he spoke of these offenses, temptations, or stumbling blocks. So the ancient Greek word for offenses is scandalon. And to understand the context of what all this teaching is about, remember the parables we just went through and the lessons that Jesus was teaching pointedly toward the Pharisees. Now, He is teaching His disciples further on what He was trying to make the point across to the Pharisees. See, this this word, scandalon, is a word that means bent stick. It was a stick used in a trap to set up the trap. It sets the bait. Some say even a bait was pushed onto the stick and, and presented in a trap. It was used to trip up the animal, catch the animal. So Jesus used this word, this particular word, to get their attention. They understood what he's talking about when he says temptations, he's thought, or offenses, or a stumbling block. It's a trap, is what he's talking about. So if you use that mentality here, I'm going to read this same verse out of the Amplified Version. That's Luke 17, verse 1. Jesus said to his disciples, stumbling blocks, temptations and traps set to lure one to sin are sure to come, but woe, judgment is coming to him through whom they come. Most of, as far back as I can remember, this verse was not put in proper context by many who I heard teach it. You'd get the you get the scene that Jesus was sitting down and there were children around him. That's not what was going on here. Jesus talks about the little ones or young ones. He's talking about new believers. 
And he's talking about here the intentional trap that was set to make people fail. And that's what he was referring to. Go back to Luke 15 when we studied that in verse 1. Here's what, who the people Jesus is talking about. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. See, the Pharisees had nothing but judgment for sinners. Just contempt. So, as Jesus is teaching about those who intentionally set a trap to cause others to stumble or to sin, he's addressing those who are vindictive, who give, who look at sinners as being those who don't deserve Jesus or don't deserve God's love. That's what he's teaching about here. And he's teaching about those who actually teach false doctrine as well. Because that's false doctrine. To condemn sinners. Condemn the sin, but not the sinner. So let's look at verse 2. This is how he responds to what he just said. It would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. That was a very appropriate thing they could understand. A millstone could weigh several hundred pounds, even several tons. It was used to grind the grain. They could understand that. It was a common sight in their, their times. But I thought about us, how we understand that take a large boulder like these here in northwest Arkansas. And you could chain it to somebody's neck and throw them to the sea. I can visualize that. You see, people who seek to judge and condemn others through entrapment, it angers God. It angers God because they give them no hope. When you condemn without extending love, we're sending the wrong message. So if there's some awful things going on in our country right now, and things that disgust me, but I still need to pray for those who are committing those acts, that they find Jesus. That's our only hope, is Jesus Christ. That's it. See, 1 John chapter 2, verse 10 explains this solution. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. So we, we deal with this, this thing called legalism. Where it, and yeah, I talk about it a lot because it, it affected my life a lot. And it's affected others. But this thing called legalism of following the rules has made more people leave the church than bring to it, I promise you that. Rules. Canons. Things that denominations come up with. Just go to God's Word. Put everything else aside. 
we follow God's word, we'll be close to our Lord and we'll do what he wants us to do. But those who bring judgment upon others will have to talk to God about that. Now, verse 3. So he goes to the next step. So watch yourselves, Jesus says. If another believer sins, rebuke that person, even if there's repentance. Then if there's repentance, forgive. To the Pharisees, there was no thought of forgiveness. They wanted nothing to do with forgiveness. They just wanted to judge. They had nothing but contempt for sinners. They wouldn't associate with sinners. They didn't want to reach out and help sinners. They wouldn't even allow them in their houses. The Pharisees were the interpreters of the law. And to the masses, they were the experts. So correlate that to today's time. And we have, who do people think that are experts on the Bible? Well, it's going to be preachers, TV preachers, pulpit preachers, right? Radio preachers. That's who people look up to. And it's just not here. I'm talking about worldwide. So when somebody is looked up to in that way and is seen as being imperfect, then they've sent the wrong message. So these people are looking up to the Pharisees and saying, if they don't forgive, why should I forgive? If they don't associate with sinners, why should I associate with sinners? But see, Jesus is bringing forth a very radical concept. Very radical. Forgiveness. You see, the, he's saying if your brother sins against you, rebuke him in love. See, often we have two responses. If, we're, if somebody sins against me, one response is to run away from confrontation. I'm not going to tell him. They ought to know better. And the second response that people have is, it's just going to be attack. But what he's teaching here is, when someone has offended me, I need to go to that person. And in love, talk about it. That's what Paul writes about in Ephesians 4, verse 15. He says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body of the church. Love isn't going to somebody and fussing at them. It's going to them and saying, look, we need to have a conversation. We need to talk about what you did offended me. That's what Jesus is teaching that we go to one another in love. Isn't that what we're supposed to do at home? I do that my wife. And sometimes she has to tell me I've offended her. And we have to discuss that. But if we didn't, what would happen to our marriage? It would disintegrate. And that's what Jesus is teaching about brothers and sisters in the church. The biggest problem in the church is amongst members, is they don't talk to one another when offenses have occurred. They do one of these two things. They run off and won't talk to the person offended them, but they tell everybody else what they did. Well, that's sin. That's disobedience. We're supposed to go to one another. But when we go to someone and tell them they offended us, 
We need to be loving in doing that. That's what he's teaching. And if he repents, you forgive him. This is a challenge for Jesus. You've got to have your heart opened up. And there's no other option. One of the faults I have in this life, and I'm going to bring it before you so you can pray for me, a fault that I have, I don't forget some things. I, that troubled me most half my life. I hold on to things. I've learned in the last few years to turn them loose. But if you're a person that hangs on to something, an offense, let it go. Because that's what Jesus teaches us to do. Let it go. We have to forgive. Verse 4. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. It wasn't just a random number. Jesus chose this number seven because rabbis at the time were teaching you have to forgive somebody three times. After that, you don't forgive them anymore. So Jesus used, you got to do it two times and more than you've been told. And also, you think about the number seven in Scripture as a number of perfection. You're supposed to forgive indefinitely. And Jesus had more than double that number. And in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5, Paul writes, Keep no record of being wronged. No record of being wronged. You know one of the biggest issues the elders have to deal with within a church? Members at each other. But this is a great place. We don't have that much here. But leadership, dealing with those things, is ugly. If we just follow the example of Christ, that doesn't happen. Verse 5. Luke 17, verse 5. So after all that teaching, the reason we're taking so much time talking about that is, it's because that teaching made these disciples ask a very, very important question that affects all of us and the apostle said to the Lord show us how to increase our faith show us how we can be like that that we can forgive because it takes an incredible faith to forgive like Jesus it takes faith to extend to extend forgiveness time after time after time and not hold grudges it takes the power of the Holy Spirit within us to be able to forgive like Jesus forgives. They got the point here, and we need to get the point. In order to forgive like Jesus, we have to have greater faith. We have to believe that we have the power within us to be able to forgive like Jesus. So Jesus answers this in verse 6. The Lord answered, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and planted to the sea, and it will obey you. Now, is Jesus being literal here, or is he just being figurative? He's being figurative here. He's trying to make a point to him. A mustard seed is tiny. It's tiny. 
but it has in this, within this small sea the power of life. And that's what he's saying. Even your faith isn't great at this point. You have faith, and within that faith, you have the power to grow because there's life in your faith. And that allows the Holy Spirit to work. What matters most about our faith is the object of our faith. Can't be in a man, it has to be in Jesus. Charles Spurgeon said this, The eye itself, the eye cannot see itself. Did you ever see your own eye? In a mirror you may have done so, but there was only a reflection of it. And you may, in like matter, see the evidence of your faith, but you cannot look at the faith itself. Faith looks away to itself, to the object of faith, even to Christ. In other words, you can't look at your own eye. You see a reflection of it. You don't look at your own faith. You see a reflection of your faith about what's happening around you. So you want our faith to grow? First step is to be forgiven. Verses 7 through 10. When a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does the master say, come in and eat with me? No, he says, prepare my meal, put on your apron and serve me while I eat. Then you can eat later. Jesus is talking about putting God into debt. The Pharisees were living by rules. In other words, if I do this rule, God's going to do this for me. If I do that, God's going to do this for me. In today's standards, we have prosperity gospel that people are teaching. I'll do this for you, God, and you're going to do that for me. That's what it means. You see, Jesus is telling them when we do things to be to think we're going to be rewarded for that, then you got it all wrong. You think God owes you something. God has already given more than we ever can repay through Jesus Christ. And he's talking about the servant coming home and the master doesn't immediately brag on him, immediately give him a reward. He's expected to serve because he's the master. Because the servant belongs to the master. That's where we are. We serve at his pleasure. We put people before ourselves. And I put his name before mine. And that's what he's talking about here. And he's warning his disciples as they'll be going out and carrying on the, his work that they will be tempted. But they have to resist that temptation of pride. Verse 10. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants and we have simply done our duty. Do we serve to get a reward an earthly reward? Do we demand that Jesus recognize our efforts? That's very strange, isn't it? But see, all that He has done for me is because He loves me. It's not because He owes me anything. And if our approach to God is I'm going to do this so you'll reward me, 
we don't understand God's love toward us. He will thank us and reward us. Even though don't, we don't deserve it, He will look at each of His servants and He'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. And we'll walk with Him in heaven. So what he's getting to here is trust. And then the last part of this, this morning's lesson is healing the ten lepers. Verse 11 and 12. As Jesus continued on to Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. And he entered a village. There were ten men with leprosy and they stood at a distance. Now Jesus, is, he's been teaching his disciples and now they're walking and the, here come ten lepers, and it, according to the, the law at the time, they had to stand at least 50 yards away and downwind. But they obviously were looking for Jesus. Talking about these lepers. They were outcasts from society. There was no hope for their healing. So they cry out in verse 13, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And then verse 14, he looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And they went and they were cleansed of their leprosy. What is ironic about this? Jesus told them to go. In most cases, Jesus said, Come to me. Here he says, Go. He doesn't touch them. He doesn't speak over them. He doesn't rub spittle in their eye like he had done other times. He just said, go. They left. But as they walked along, it says in verse 15, excuse me, verse 14, as they walked along, as they went, they were healed. As they went, they were healed. Does that bother you that Jesus didn't say come? He didn't say you're healed. He didn't say you were delivered. He just said go. But something made those guys go. They were desperate, weren't they? They'd do anything he would say. They left. So they were healed. In verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And this man was a Samaritan. Or some version said a foreigner. Samaritans usually didn't associate with Jews, but because they all were afflicted with leprosy, they did. But how ironic, the one who mixed race, the one who was really excited about being healed, came back. One-tenth were thankful for the blessing. See, ten, all ten were willing to do a religious ceremony. Go to the priest and show yourself to the priest, which in Leviticus they're charged to do. But only one was filled with real praise and thanksgiving, and only one came back to Jesus. And so Jesus says in verse 17, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no, re no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? 
Why one-tenth? Because we are generally, as, a, as people, and this occurred over 2,000 years ago, but people haven't changed. We're excited if something great happens, but we just keep moving on. Instead of taking the time and give God the glory and the credit for something great that has happened. God blesses us every single day. Do we stop and count the blessings on a daily basis? Do we stop and thank Him for what He has done for us each and every day? Be thankful. See, that's that's the next step. Be thankful. And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. He was already healed of leprosy. What did his faith heal him? It healed his heart. His heart was healed. The other men, nine, were healed from the leprosy. But this man was healed from the inside out. Because of his faith. This morning we've talked about forgiveness, faithfulness, and thankfulness. Do you want a growing faith? This is how your faith grows. You become forgiving, you become faithful, and you become thankful. Jesus teaches us how, how to grow our faith. And next week, Justin will talk about being prepared. The fourth essential. We want to have a greater faith. We say that, but it takes the effort of growing with Jesus to make that happen. I will ask the worship team to come on up. This is a lesson this morning that Jesus is teaching His disciples and He's teaching us. And it's very relevant to us today. Because we're being challenged on all fronts about our faith. But first, we've got to be a forgiving people. And then we're a faithful people. to the, Be faithful to the Word. Faithful to the Master. And then we're thankful. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for how much you love us, how much you give us, how many times you forgive us. And Father, you are faithful to us, and we pray that we be faithful to you. And Father, give us the strength to turn to you. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.